welcome to In Progress, a podcast to help you grow and learn how to become a better version of yourself. Now, here's your host, Michael Cerigliano. Welcome, everybody, to In Progress. I'm your host, Michael Cerigliano. We have special guest today, techno DJ Alex Kavlich. Uh, He's going to talk to us a little bit about his journey and struggle through drug addiction and how he came out on the other end. I know I drink a lot, but man, if I ever try heroin, punch me in the face. And I meant that Yeah. deep in my heart. I meant that. Mm -hmm. But the the weird reality of that is, is that why is it okay to do cocaine as long as I'm not doing heroin? Right, I mean, exactly. I get that it's a party drug. I get people that do it every once in a while. That doesn't bother me. If it's up to you and you don't get addicted to it, who gives a shit, right? But right. for me, even though I was a, a drug addict at the time, still am, but you know. Recovering. Um, it, recovering, yes. But um, I'm like, it's, it's just weird to think that just because I'm not doing heroin, my life is manageable and my life is fine. I have a job. I'm not doing it at work. Day. Um, you know, things like that. Like I used to come into friendlies when I was serving and I'd, I'd be on Trista's uh, concerta, which is like a Ritalin. Yeah. And I'd be bussing every single table and like, oh. yeah, man. Top speed. And uh, I thought it may be a better employee when in fact I was just an asshole. But anyway, I had, I was introduced to heroin. Um, I, I, I picked him up in my, uh, 98 Grand Prix, the good old, I remember that baby, the good old baby. And, uh, we went to go pick it up and he actually only bought some for himself. Um, and I, I looked at him and he, he turned to me, he's like, man, you don't want to get in the shit. And, uh, I turned to him. I was like, look, dude, I'm not going to get hooked on it. Just let me try it. So he, he put it on a piece of foil, he smoked it, and uh, he actually gave me a little bag, which we used to call stamps. Yeah. Um, they're like little, uh, they're like this big, they're not dime bags, they're, they're about this big, maybe like two inches long, but thin, like really thin, and it would have the powder in it. Yeah. And you would rip, you would rip the top of it and pour the powder out to snort it. So I did that and um, never felt so good in my entire life. Um, there's a there's a well-known kind of not proverb but story i guess try heroin you do it the first time you're hooked immediately mm-hmm. i believe in my heart that that is 100% true because i did not look back from that day yeah. to the point where i where i quit using cocaine i quit drinking i quit smoking weed i quit using mdma molly i quit using lsd i quit using shrooms just because I only wanted to do heroin and maybe the occasional um, Percocet or Oxycontin or anything like that. Yeah. Anything opiate. My whole life changed from stimulants only to downers, pills, um, and heroin, you know, hard age, man. And uh, once I started, I couldn't stop. Um, and some of you listeners might be in the, uh, were or now in a similar situation where um and i feel completely bad about this and i still do to this day even though i've been in recovery for seven years um not successful but you know i've been practicing recovery for seven years but i had a very good friend michael knows him 
Um, he actually lives in Colorado now, but uh, I introduced him to heroin and I'm pretty sure he's still shooting up in Colorado. I don't know if Michael can attest to that or not, but is. Um, I am the reason why that kid in jail has stolen cars, is still using drugs. And um, it's, it's sad to think that my life ruined somebody else who had a promising life. Um, and if any listeners are in that same situation, I would just say, try to get help before you introduce people to other things. Um, and uh, it's one thing to say, hey, man, do a bump of cocaine. But when you come up to somebody with a needle and a tourniquet and say, let me do this for you, you'll feel good. Um, that's not a position that you want to be in, especially if you're going to be in recovery, because that's something that bothers me when I sleep almost every single night. I think about that almost every single day. The kid was a very, very good friend of mine. I'd say probably one of my best friends. And uh, I really fucked his life up. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's his choice to continue using, but to introduce yeah. something to him where it's taken that toll on his life, you know, it really, it really pains me, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, start using heroin and yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's good. The thing is, like, it's awesome that you were able to get away from that. But with him, he was just so much more impulsive than you, so much more willing to do whatever than you. And he was the type like you, you were lucky because you had a good mother to fall back on. Right. Cause I know when you were going through, I remember like the extents that you went to not get caught doing it were, it was extensive. I remember we'd be hanging out at the local trap house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'd be, I'd be seeing shout out to Chad. <laughs> you know, stop. Um, yeah, hope you're doing well, man. Um, uh, but, uh, I remember you would be there and you would be saying to me, you'd be like, no, I got to go to, I got to go to therapy tomorrow and I can't do this, this, and this drug because it'll show up on my drug test tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so you'd be, you'd be selective on what drugs you would take because of that. And the person that we're talking about that is continuing to do it, he didn't, his family was like, kind of like so hardcore religious that his family was like, okay, you're fucking your life up. Good luck. And so like where you were yeah. lucky, you had like supportive family and you had like me backing your decision. Granted, I didn't do anything when you were doing the shit. Um, but yeah. I, you had me back and like, yeah, you definitely want to go through rehab and all that shit. He really didn't have that. Like I was his friend, but like at the end of the day, I'm not going to force you to do something. So like right. when you stopped doing all that shit, he was still going to those same spots and doing it himself, asking for rides and all right. that shit. And I will never right. forget. And I will never forget to this day the extent. And I don't even know if you remember when mm -hmm. we were working at when we were working at Friendlies. I had to go into work at four, three, four p.m. You didn't work that day, and you. It was after you crashed your car. Um, you said to me, "Can you give me a ride downtown to get some heroin?" I said, no, I got to work in like two, three hours. You're like, 
Um, you're like, nah, it's only it's gonna be real quick. Come back, I'll give you gas money. And you were like going at it, and I was like, no, 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 I won't. And you were like, fuck you, then you're not a real friend. I will I remember that. Never forget that shit. And that's just the how bad the shit gets. And that's where I was gonna get to. I started getting angry. I lost friends, family, um, and uh a lot of times you hear this in like recovery rooms, like an AA or an NA, even group outpatient, things like that at hospitals and recovery centers. Once you hit a low enough bottom, um, sometimes, not all the time, but once you hit a deep enough bottom, recovery doesn't sound as unappealing. Um, and in AA, we talk about high bottoms and low bottoms. Yeah. There's a lot of people that need to hit that low, 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 low. And I was one of them. Mm-hmm. And there's some people that maybe take a sip of alcohol at work for the first time, and that's their bottom. You know, that's what forces them into recovery. Like, oh, my God, I'm drinking at work. You know, things like that. Yeah. Um, but, like, back to the crash the car, I remember that I – this was about, this was October of 2014. Um, and I, I had gotten sober and clean for the first time in November that year. Um, so October, it was just before Halloween. I remember I took a, a coworker of ours at Friendly's um, home to his place in the city. Um, and uh, I ended up driving to um a popular corner in the city. Um, I, I don't know if I should say the area. I'm not going to. Um, but I, I picked up about three or four stamps of heroin. And um, I did two of them. So each stamp is about a line. Um, if you snort it or about a, um, a shot if you inject it. Um, which I'll get to because I've done it. But um, I did two of them. And... I was driving home. I, this story is actually a, um, what started my fall to my bottom. So, um, I ended up stopping at a red light at a corner. It was, it was rush hour traffic, um, in the city, you know, that's, you know, recipe for success right there. But, um, (laughs) you know, I, I passed out. I, well, I nodded out at the wheel woke up maybe a couple seconds later looked up and I noticed the the light was green so I'm thinking people are behind me waiting I just fell asleep for 10 minutes like and uh so I floored it right into the back of some old lady and the insanity of this is that I didn't call the cops I didn't make sure that she was okay I drove next I pulled out of I backed up pulled to the side of her car looked over to the left at her she was looking at me kind of shaking at the wheel, like what just happened. Yeah. And I gave her a thumbs up and I floored it. I was gone. <laughs> what? what? You gave her the thumbs gone. up and dipped? Yeah. I was like, yeah, you're good. You know? And I just drove. I was gone. Damn. You know, driving down the expressway, my hood's flying up, hitting the, the windshield. I ended up having to call my stepdad to tie it down and bring me home. When I got home that night, I got into a huge argument with my parents. Um, I punched my stepdad in the face. Um, you know, cops got called this and that. 
the way that I ended was just the cop was like, just be safe. I didn't tell him I was high or anything. He said nobody reported the accident. And uh, I was good. Um, and that didn't stop me. So it, about a month later, end of November, um, I was sitting outside at Friendly's. Um, and uh, I had a doctor's appointment that day. Uh, what my psychiatrist at the time and so not to my knowledge she drug tested me because my parents asked her to and I obviously pissed dirty for multiple things but it wasn't just the fact that she made me say yeah it was dirty like I admitted I was like yeah it was dirty it's not that she only made me say that she turns to me and looks at me and goes what was it so I had to sit there in front of my doctor, my mom, and my stepdad and tell them that I had cocaine in my system, marijuana in my system, Molly in my system, and I stopped there. She looked at me and goes, what else? And I looked at my mom. I looked back at the doctor. I said, heroin. My mom just broke down. My stepdad had his mouth is open like, like really like open and my doctor goes you I just saw opiates I didn't know it was heroin and my mom looked at me and she goes are you gonna stop do you want to get help because I'll pay for it and I looked at her and I said fuck no not at all it's my life I like it and I was at that point I was oh, wait you doubled down on it I sure did yeah damn oh yeah and uh at the time then I was using heroin maybe every six, seven hours. So I wouldn't get sick. I wasn't even getting high anymore. I just had to do it because I would get sick. And I went to bed that night and, you know, she told me the doctor's office, she goes, well, if you get high, you can't come home. Fine, Whatever. Um, I stayed at our friends that night, got high. Um, I woke up the next morning and I was in tears, I was crying. And this was the first time I had cried since probably I started using drugs because it numbed everything. Yeah. And this is where my recovery begins, right? Mm. I called my mom, I picked up the phone, I called my mom, sobbing. Mom, I need help, because I can't do this anymore. And uh, that's how my recovery started. Um, so. This, we went through that whole long, you know, long story of how, what happened, right? So now we can talk about um, what it's like now and what I'm doing for you listeners out there that are listening to this to, if you were in a similar station or currently situation and currently are, what you can do, what I did to get out of this. And it hasn't been an easy road and I'll, I'll get through it with the details, but, you know, and um it's always been great to have support with me, like from my family and you and, you know, our, our whole friend group and everything. Like without the support of my friends and family, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, like I said, it hasn't been a easy road, but uh, I ended up signing up for outpatient at uh, a hospital in town and uh, thus started my journey. Um, <laughs> what's funny. Um, I went to my first outpatient, it was at nighttime, and it was my first group session, and uh, some other kid who was signing up, because we had to go in and sign our names to make sure that we were there, yeah. another kid who was actually in the same group as mine showed up, and it was his first day too, and I, I looked at him, and uh, 
I kind of asked him, I was like, you know, what are you here for? And he goes, hmm, weed. <laughs> and I looked at him. Oh, I was yeah? Like, I, was, I looked at him. I was like, weed? Like, weed? What do you mean? He looked at me and he's like, well, what about you? And I'm like, Colin, speak a word to me the rest of the day. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I don't want to even talk to this motherfucker. He's like, I don't want that shit. Yeah. (laughs) So I went to the first group session and, you know, I'm there and I'm nitpicking everybody there. Like these people are never going to get this shit. And these people are hopeless, hopeless. Not like you. uh, Not like me. I was going to take this by the storm and I was going to be using heroin in a year or two and I'm going to do it and manage my life. And I'm going to be great. Oh, so you went in there with the mentality (laughs) that you were going to be a functional heroin addict. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Totally. And I remember when uh, the the counselor turns to us and we had to go through like a whole list of things like uh, how long have we been clean and sober, this and that. And I remember when he goes clean and sober and I turned to him, I was like, sober, what do you mean we can't drink? He's like, no, this is this is abstinence here. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about abstinence? I don't have a drinking problem. I'm here for heroin. Right, exactly. Let me get and the other like, shit. Yeah, like, what's the point? Drinking, it's legal, you know? Fun fact, is actually more poisonous and dangerous than heroin. It's actually deadlier. Really? More people die from alcohol. More people die from alcohol than opioid overdoses. Not to say that opiate overdoses aren't good, you know? Right. But yeah, more, more, more people die and you actually have more severe withdrawals from, um, from alcohol withdrawal. So anybody out here, the alcohol and are trying to stop, make sure you go to a detox because you can die from the withdrawal. Um, I went through the group and then my actual bottom came. I went out house who was actually a friend in the uh, outpatient that I was in um we went out and we're just driving around and I turned to him I was like dude you're not a real friend unless you do heroin with me and he's like yeah man let's do it let's do it and I'm all anxious and shit from doing the outpatient and this and that and wait hold up hold up hold up yeah so you and somebody from outpatient were hanging out and then the mm-hmm. words that came out of your mouth were, you're not a real friend unless you do the thing that we're in here for with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was like consummating a marriage, except instead of sex, it was drugs, you know? Right. Yeah. Na- naturally. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, continue. I'm sorry. We're true, we're, we're true friends once we do heroin together. You right. Know? I, I don't know so what we- I was thinking. <laughs> so we wait we waited like three hours for this guy to show up guy that i don't buy from so i was kind of nervous at the start turns out mixed with fentanyl first time i've ever gotten fentanyl before because back at the time i was using heroin fentanyl wasn't a thing it was just coming out by the time i was finishing i i mean it's not lucky but i guess i was lucky that i was getting heroin and not fentanyl but right um i ended up ODing. Heart stopped, stopped breathing. Um, phone was dead. Nobody could reach me. Um, go to the hospital because my friend was too scared to call the cops thinking he'd get in trouble. Um, luckily, I pulled through. I woke up. 
house. I was laying in his bed. So somehow I must have gotten inside and laid down. And uh, what's going through my mind at this 4.30 in the morning is my mom hasn't talked to me since 8 p.m. I just overdosed on heroin, fentanyl, whatever. Like if I was a parent, think about that, Mike. If you were a parent and you know that your your son is a heroin addict and you haven't heard from him since 8, 8 p.m. and it's 4.30 in the morning, what do you think? What do you think? He's, he's dead, right? Yeah, he's dead. Oh, he's, well, right? yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Um, I called my mom at 4.30 and she's like, oh my God, Alex, you're alive. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to lay down. I'll be home soon. So I laid back down and I went, I'm driving home. It was like eight in the morning. I'm driving home from like, I don't even know where, Scottsville maybe. Mm -hmm. And uh, threw up all over my car, sick again. And uh, then I started to realize that I don't have control over my life. My life's unmanageable. I'm addicted to heroin. I can't work. I can't even look my mom in the eye. I can't speak to any of my friends because I burned all those bridges. Like we didn't even talk for a good, what, year maybe? I mean, here and there, but really. Yeah, we kind of um, went our separate ways once it got to that point, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I pretty much had lost everything. And for some people that deal with this, you have to lose everything to get something. So I really tried the next time. I went back to outpatient. I met a really, really good friend of mine, still a good friend of mine. He's actually in the rooms of AA, which I started going to. I'm not going to say his name because of anonymity. We're not allowed to say other people's names who's in the program. He's a very, very good friend of mine. Um, I met him in my outpatient group. And him and another friend of ours in the outpatient, not the one that I was with that he was with, but another one, um, he's actually not around anymore. He, um, he passed away from this illness as well. And uh, we ended up going to our first AA meeting. Um, I was so nervous. Um, I showed up right on time because I knew I didn't want to be early. I did not want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to see what it was like. I didn't want to be involved. I didn't want to do it. I just wanted to clean my side of the street so people can start trusting me. People can start believing that I'm doing better. Um, it, there was an ulterior motive and there's always been an ulterior motive in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but after that first AA meeting, something had changed. I found that it was a lot more, I thought it was better than outpatient. Like I made sure that I got to AA meetings more than I got to my outpatient groups. And at the time outpatient was three days, three days a week. And for once in my life, I wanted to do something for me. I looked at these people in AA, people that had been clean and sober for 35 plus years, 20 plus years. 15 plus years, even two years caught my attention, right? right? And I wanted to finally do this for me. And for you people out there that are struggling with this, I would say go to um, every single city in the United States, if you're living in the United States, every single city has an AA and NA page. It's literally the city name. So for us, it's Rochester. 
with the letters AA or NA at the end of it, .com. That website will go to the city's entire meeting list every day, every hour. Just do it because even though recovery sounds scary because it's a whole unknown and you don't think that you can live without drugs and alcohol, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And uh, I didn't get this immediately, right? Right. I got clean from heroin, but I still drank. I still used cocaine every once in a while. Um, and I actually even picked up Percocets again towards um, the end of about three months ago. So even though I've been in recovery for about seven years now, um, I've really only been in real recovery for about three months. Um, but here's the deal. This is why I advocate this for anybody dealing with drug and alcohol addiction. Um, I've got my life together in a matter of three months, not fully, but it's better. Right. I can manage it, right? I can go to work and not have to worry about getting high or drunk at night. I can deal with my emotions. I can, people trust me. Um, I've made a lot of friends that are clean and sober. And the best thing about recovery is being around people that are clean and sober and being around people that don't push drugs and alcohol on you because they know that you're going through something. Right. Exactly. Um, as Michael knows, um, I just got a brand new job. I'm going into healthcare. I'm going back to school. I have money to afford rent. I have a brand new car. Um, for anybody that's struggling out there, I know how hard it is to give up what you've been doing, at least in my situation, for 10 plus years. Um, it's so hard because it's all you know. Mm -hmm. But once you start that journey and take your first step into recovery, things start happening, right? I'm not a religious person. I, I do claim to be a little spiritual. Um, and I know Michael had some people on this show, right, about spirituality. I would check that out. I would really check that out. Um, based on the fact that there's something greater than me that's out in this world. And because of that, I can stay sober and clean a day at a time. I'm not the one that makes the sun go up, right? Right. I'm not the one that makes the moon and the stars come out, right? I may not call it a God, right? I'm not religious like that. But However, a higher power. It's a higher power, exactly. And that's what we preach in AA and NA is to find a higher power. Because if I was managing my life, I would still be using heroin, mm -hmm. right? Something out there is helping me stay sober, whether it's a God, whether it's not, right? There's mm -hmm. just, there's something out there that's greater than myself. And I can acknowledge that. And that's what helps me stay sober one at a time. And one at a time is a huge, huge, huge thing for me. Um, I know that I'm not going to drink or use a drug this minute, right? But right. an hour from now, maybe I will. I have to take it. Literally for me, I have to take this a minute at a time. 
you don't have to accumulate 20 years sober and think from the day that you recover that I'm going to be 20 years sober. You know, it could be a, a goal. Yes. But you have to take this minute by minute, second by second, day by day. Um, Make it a lot more manageable. It was. Way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, this was the hardest thing I had ever had to do. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And um, when I was using drugs and alcohol, I hated myself. There was a point where I didn't care if I really lived or died um, because my life was just a spiral downward. And once I started recovery, um, it's, just, it's just amazing the things that happen. Like, I appreciate a sunset. Um, I appreciate the friends I have, the family I have, the support I have. My girlfriend's a huge support in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, just the things that you gain from being clean and sober are immense. And we say a lot of things in AA. We have our slogans and stuff, you know. Right. And, um, one of them is um, things materialize, but sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but they always materialize if we work for them 100 percent. put in the work you will get there and you will achieve your goals for anybody listening to this today tomorrow whenever you listen to this if you do being sober is scary when you're in thick of it of using however being sober in recovery is much better than dying by the needle and uh, that's really kind of all I have to say, I guess, Michael. You got anything to add or questions or anything? Yeah, uh, I wanted to actually follow up. Uh, first of all, that was amazing. Um, the fact that you were able to break that down so much. Um, I even learned things about you that I didn't know. I'm sure people, a lot of the people that do listen to this, um, they are from our hometown. Um, a lot of them are people that know both of us. So the fact that they can get a look into who you actually are, what you've done, what you've, what you've accomplished is something that not everyone has the ability to do. A lot of people, when they go through this, are secretive because they, the, the time that they spent going through this dark period is something they don't want to talk about. And the fact that you were able to do also that. something they don't want to get out of as well. And that's right. And that's the hardest part is making that jump to accepting the fact that you have a problem, your life is unmanageable and that there's something that needs to be done to live a better life. And hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's just something I've learned over the, over the last seven years is that drugs and alcohol, the high that you get from it is not a, even a high compared to what life is like when you try and succeed and see these things materialize in front of you. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. Now I want to, I want to turn the, uh, the energy of this podcast over to something a little more positive. I want to talk about your life now, your life in the future. Yeah. So w- since getting clean, since going through all of this, what what is your life like now, as opposed to what it was then? Like, what can you say? Like, obviously it's better. You're you, you've said it multiple Mm -hmm. times in the story. It's much better now. What's it been like now? And why would you not want to go back to that? 
One word for you, Michael. Well, two words, actually. I'm free. I'm free. Yeah. I'm free from that burden of having to get high just to not be sick. I'm free of that burden of hurting people. You know, I'm free of that burden of losing everything that I had gained in all of my schooling and, you know, all that stuff. And uh, the reason that I won't go back, and I can't ever say that I would never go back. You know, I can't tell the future, but if I take this a day at a time, the reason that I will never go back is the fact that I like myself. Um, I like the person that I've become. Um, and I don't look at my past as a drug, you know, with drugs as a bad thing anymore. I think that it has shaped me to be the man that I am today. Um, and the reason I won't go back again is just the physical part of it of just, I don't want to feel like that again. I don't want to lose friends. I don't want to lose family. Do you know how hard it is to walk into your own house and have your mom not believe a word that you say? Um, just, I'm free. I feel so free. Yeah, that's, honestly, that's probably the biggest takeaway that I've gotten from your story is just the fact that you went from having to depend on this drug and your entire life was revolving around getting this drug just to be what you thought at the time was just normal just just like that normal regular you and now you're at a point where you don't need that and you still are the regular you um yeah what what does the future hold for you now that you're clean what what is, what does your future look like now oh man that's a tough question actually um I mean, like I said before, I, I can't predict the future. I can't predict how long I'm going to stay clean and sober. If I, if I last the entire rest of my life, that's great. But if I do stick with this program, if I do stay clean and continue asking for help, I believe nothing but good things are going to happen. Like I said earlier, I mean, I got a new job. I'm getting in a new career path. I'm going back to school. I mean, in the quick amount of time that that has happened, I mean, I feel like the world holds endless possibilities for me. Absolutely. Um, I see it. As, as long as I'm not drinking, as long as I'm not getting high, I feel like there's endless possibilities. I feel like there's no peak to that mountain. 100%. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, uh, everyone, even, even in spirituality, it's, it's, it's a, common, a common saying, basically, manifestation, right? So manifestation, you you get what you want, you get what you go after. And anybody, I mean, this podcast is full of entrepreneurs. This podcast is full of um, motivational speakers, spiritual people. I mean, you name it. And everyone preaches that same thing of manifestation. You go and get what you want and you'll end up having that. And with you, it's that same thing. You got clean. You, since I've known you, since before all of this even happened, you were saying you wanted to be in the healthcare profession. And now you're clean and only after three months, you're getting into the healthcare profession. You're going to school to further your education, to be further into that. Like manifestation is huge. And it all starts with you believing this is what you want to do and going after it. And you did that. And your turnaround time was insane. Literally you got clean. And a few months later, you met somebody, met somebody by chance that wanted that gave you the opportunity to get in this field so 
Talk about a higher power right there, man. Right, exactly. Something, that's, that's it right something there. Something is doing for me what I could not do for myself. Exactly. And I've, exactly. I've seen that ever since I became clean and sober, that there's something out there that will do for me what I cannot do for myself. And like, even though I don't consider myself religious, I do like to dabble in that spiritualism. And man, there, there's something, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what I believe 100%, but there is something out there that just makes the world go around. And you're right, that manifestation, what you believe, you know, a lot of people say like, try to achieve achievable dreams, right? I don't think that any dream is unachievable. I think that if you believe in yourself enough, you can achieve what ever you dream and believe so absolutely absolutely i believe the same exact thing you know i'm i'm doing this i'm doing my things on the side too um i don't have the hurdles that you went through um but i mean that's the same mentality that i have going going and doing all of this stuff everyone that's been on the podcast same thing you believe you want to do this one thing you just get after it and getting after it for long enough gets you there whether it's like you three months some people I know after, you know, three years, it, it happens. You just got to continue to put in the work. Um, yeah. Like, but, like I said earlier, that one, that one slogan, you know, things will materialize sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but they will always materialize if you work for them. So. Absolutely. Now, what is, uh, what is some advice that you'd want to give people struggling through addiction right now? Um, my main advice, first of all, don't stop using what you're using, cold turkey. However, reach out for help because I don't know the exact statistic. There are millions of people around the world that suffer from substance abuse disorder, which is actually an illness in the DSM book, which psychiatrists use to diagnose mental disorder. Yeah. And um, roughly, roughly 60% of them will never ask for help. And out of that 60%, only 10% will not die from this disease. Um, what I would say is get yourself into a detox, get yourself some help and just ask. You don't have to ask a doctor. You don't have to go to the hospital. You don't have to go to a, a you know, a, a clinic. Ask a friend, because if that friend cares about you enough, they will do everything that they can to find a place for you. Um, I think the biggest advice that I could ever give anybody that deals with this is to just ask somebody for help. Because even if your life seems manageable now, it can only take one day for you to be dead. That's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, now, one last question before we uh, end this episode. Um, what's one thing that you want people to take away from today's episode with you, the story that you told? What is one thing you'd really like to hammer home for the audience? I just want to hammer home that even though recovery may seem scary to people that are going through this, it's the best thing that will ever happen to you in your entire life because things will happen 
that just make life worth living. And when you're using drugs and alcohol, life is not worth living. And a lot of people feel like that. And just because you may not be like a low bottom that we talked about, doesn't mean that you don't need help. Just ask for help if you feel like you're having an issue. And one other thing that I'd like to hammer home is that recovery may seem scary because all you know is drugs and alcohol, but recovery is a lot better than being dead. Truer words have never been spoken at all. Um, so I want to thank you, Alex, for coming on to the episode today sharing your story. That was absolutely amazing. So thank you. Yeah, of course, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you, brother. Absolutely, man. Now, everybody watching the podcast, I want you to make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. Um, any questions that you have for Alex um, regarding addiction, his journey, your journey, anything like that, feel free to put into the comments. We will get to the questions and we'll bring him back on again for a follow-up episode. I have no problem with that. We're here at this podcast. We're here to make sure that everyone is getting to a better place in life, whether that's financially, mentally, physically, whatever. So feel free to shoot your comments down there, private message me, whatever, and we'll get another episode in to take care of all those comments and concerns as well.